you are listening to the B-Cast. Currently 6.05 a.m. I am drinking a delicious cup of home-brewed coffee. And um, I'm back on the mic. A lot on my mind. I have to get up and turn on the microphone. I needed the microphone. Um, man, I've been trying to do this for a couple weeks now, a few weeks. Lots have been going on. Um, uh, gonna get into some morbid stuff because that's what's been on my mind. But I don't. I'm gonna ease into that. We're not gonna go right into it, but um, I do want to get some thoughts off my mind. <clears throat> Let's start with um, comedy. Comedy has been actually really good. I have to say, I've made some pretty good progress, um, networking wise and stuff like that over the last six months just working at the dojo the dojo of comedy in morris plains at tiff's restaurant um i found a home there that is home base now um they're just putting so much behind comedy they're so invested into comedy into making that a comedy club into making that a spot like a legit um comedy home where people know you want to see a good comedy show you go to the dojo we've had some really good shows lots of good people coming in lots of big names um got to work with some good comedians so far like rich voss jim florentine mark norman cypher sounds um andy fiore um casey burke um, God, some names escape me. Um, Karen Fian, Aaron Berg, um, Natalie Cuomo, uh, Amanda Gale. Yesterday, uh, Saturday rather, got to meet them. Cool people. Um, Natalie Cuomo was a little bit uncomfortable meeting. You know, you just see people on online all the time you know what's uncomfortable about her is that she's just uncomfortably pretty right like she's engaged i'm married we're not we're neither of us are looking to hook up nobody's you know you don't have that when you're single you have that um like that hope i don't know if it's a hope but there's that opportunity there's an opportunity that exists where both people may be open to it but when you meet somebody and you're both um, in a committed relationship, that thought isn't really on your mind. But it 
is i don't know it's it's weird what i'm trying to say is just like in front of really pretty people i get uncomfortable sometimes some people are just uncomfortably cute there's people out there like that stay away from them um no i I'm, i got distracted um so the shows there have been good and um barry ribs bob levy um I know I'm missing people. I just keep forgetting. Uh, Gino Bisconte. And um, Ellen, Eleanor Kerrigan, too. I had to, did a show with her. And um, it's just it's just cool. Um, it's cool to be in that mix. And I do this thing with, like, um, I don't want to say famous people because nobody's really famous. Just comics. And um, working comics and, you know, I guess you could say they're famous comedians, right? A lot of people know who they are. And um, I do this thing where I don't really talk to them. (laughs) I don't talk to them because I don't don't want to sweat them. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. I want them to feel comfortable talking to me. And I feel like by ignoring them, I treat them like everybody else, right? Just by ignoring them, I treat them like a person. I should go deep the other way. I should just start treating them like shit. Like, you're a fucking regular person. Just like, I'm going to treat you like shit. Um, that's, not, that's not advisable. So I just give people space. I don't like, you know, I'll talk to them and have little conversations. But I don't start with the questions. And I don't, you know, I'm like... And I know I probably should just chase these people and ask them, but I don't have any fucking questions. You know what I mean? Like, my questions come up in conversation as I'm learning, as I'm, you know, finding things out. And um, it's just good to be be around all that stuff and and the things that we have planned for the dojo um, are fun. Uh, You know, we want to start doing some skits filming some stuff so that we can generate some traction online draw some more attention to the dojo uh we started a roast battle the comedy kumite first show was last week before thanksgiving last week before thanksgiving um the wednesday before thanksgiving we had um a roast battle and it's like the kumite from Bloodsport tournament to the death and um we had a winner take home a prize and it was a really fun show i was very anxious up until that point because you know this show i don't want to say it was my responsibility but they gave it to me like they wanted me to produce it and um, i don't like producing shows i don't there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of additional pressure on top of performing there's another level of anxiousness because now you're not only worried about your performance, you're also worried about everybody's performance as well as the attendance. And it's just a lot. It's, it's a lot. And, um, it's hard to digest. No video today. No video. I didn't feel like setting up the ring light, shooting some video. Um, I'm going to start jumping around now. Let me stay with comedy. Um, So that's it. Shows are are good over there at the dojo. 
some people coming in. I'm waiting for this surprise visit from a certain someone. I'm not going to say their name until it happens because I've been pretty excited about it. And this is the person I'm going to ignore the most. That's how much I respect them and like them. I'm going to fucking just ignore them. I'm going to pretend they're not even in the room. That's how much I like them. But anyway. Um... Dojo of comedy, putting the foo back in funny. Um, so, comedy. Uh, yeah, I got to work with Mark Norman. That was cool. Um, I did. I did pretty good. I had a really good set that night. I was just hosting. I had like a two-part set, so I went up, did seven minutes, then brought up. A comic he did 10 minutes then I did another 5 or 6 and then I brought up Mark and Mark did about 45 he was really happy another thing comics really like being on shows where there's not a lot of comics <laughs> I thought it was just me but um it just a lot of comics on a show just beats a crowd into the ground it really beats them into submission so many different people coming up some people say the same shit some people they just don't like so it's a when you don't like someone or you don't connect to someone that seven minutes that they're on stage or that eight minutes that they're on stage is fucking brutal it can be brutal um and maybe i'm a little biased because i see so many of those six or seven minute sets and not from people that i don't like it's usually from people i like but a lot of times it's at open mics where people are trying things out so they're grinding through it um that could be torture that's what they should do like if they catch people and they want to torture them just bring them to open mics and hold them down that could be torture um, mm -hmm -hmm. this is a podcast of me thinking, mm -hmm -hmm. um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving passed. We didn't do anything. We just sat here. Um, we got food from my mother-in-law. She made a lot of food. We should have, we should have all ate together, but it didn't work out that way. Um, cause it is a stupid coronavirus. Don't even get me started on that. Got kicked off of Facebook for talking shit. Um, God, man, I should talk to you guys more regularly. So this is a lot easier. This is the more out of practice that you become, then the more um, uh, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, that you're going to get in your ear. All right. So if more than a, a week passes from the next time that I get on this mic, you're, mm, uh, mm, uh, uh, uh. it's very, very very um demoralizing i've done this a few times where i've gotten like 10 12 minutes in and i'm just like this is stupid i have said nothing this whole time i've said zero things and i've just been going eh, 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 for 12 minutes uh that's what it feels like now but i'm not erasing this because i got a fucking point that i want to make today um we're going through this pandemic and um it's tough for a lot of people. I don't think it's a hoax. I'm going on the record here. I'm going on the record. The pandemic, the coronavirus, COVID-19, not a hoax. Real disease. Um, and it's deadly for some people. Uh, and that's scary for a lot of people. Especially um, with it being something new. And also with the media coverage. Now... 
the media coverage of the coronavirus has been a fucking hoax. Okay. That has been a hoax, not the virus, the media coverage of it, an absolute fucking circus of fear. They have not, the people think that they want to help you. And I don't think that is the case. I think some people do. Some people are genuine about wanting to share this information because they think it's going to help you. Um, maybe the people that are saying it, I don't know, but I don't believe for a second that there's an overall, that there isn't an overall agenda with the media coverage. I do believe the media is compromised, um, with the CIA. I believe the CIA is embedded in the media and controls the narrative who who controls the CIA? That's another fucking question. That's another fucking topic for another day. All right. But uh, it's Operation Mockingbird. It's an operation they came up with back in the day to take over the radio and the um, television um, to take over the media uh, and put people in embed CIA agents into the media so that they can disseminate information to the American people to control information. There's a lot of psychology behind it. There's a lot of um, propaganda science to it, something that the CIA has studied extensively. Um, so before I'm not trying to go down a conspiracy rabbit hole, this isn't this is my conspiracy theory, my own, about the media and everything, but it's more than likely true, okay? I think the media and uh, everyone, the left, have all colluded to steal this election from Donald Trump. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I did not vote for him. I do not want him to win. I do not want him to be president. I'm not part of the group that thinks Donald Trump is a fucking savior coming to save us from pedophiles and Satan worshipers. Okay. I don't, I listen to those stories. I talk about them because they're interesting, like Tom Clancy, but I don't believe them. Okay. I don't believe them, nor do I cheer. I, I cheer for Donald Trump because I cheer against other people. Right, just like how some of you root for Biden because you're against Donald Trump. I do the opposite just because I don't like some of the people that talk on the left. They just, it's pandering. It's pandering. I don't feel like they really believe the things that they're saying. I don't know. I'm on such a swing here. I'm trying to get to a point. Um, I say that because people may have seen my post online and they think that questioning just they people put you in a box it's it's a weird time right now if you don't agree with like the narrative that everybody else is talking about then you are a trump supporter and you are a um you know, you just right wing. They just put you in a box. Just, just asking questions. You know, like if if you question the 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 vaccine that's been rushed by companies that have a history of paying billions of dollars in fines without any disregard, without any regard for public safety or public health. If you think questioning a vaccine makes you an anti-vaxer, then you're a fucking idiot. I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
it's just common sense. It's what I feel like you're applying. It's just common sense. Now, I say all this because of these feelings that I've gotten of late. This is something that I've thought of before. And especially with the birth of my daughter, it's just something I've been thinking about. It's been on my mind for six years now, five years, maybe you know, six years because my wife's pregnant. Um, my dad died. For those of you that don't know me, my dad died when I was six years old. All right. And he died during the AIDS epidemic. Now, for those of you that don't know. The difference between a pandemic and an epidemic is an epidemic is a disease that affects a large number of people within a community, population, or a region. A pandemic is an epidemic that's spread over multiple countries or continents. <sighs> so, the AIDS epidemic, right? That was, I mean, that should have been across countries. I don't know why. I guess because it's only affected gay people and fucking drug addicts. Um, Maybe that's why they call it an, the AIDS epidemic. But it was an epidemic, right? The AIDS epidemic. My dad died of AIDS in 1988. In 1988, my dad died of AIDS back when AIDS was real AIDS. It wasn't that fake shit. In the 90s, it was the real AIDS that gave you the fucking death sentence quickly. Right? My dad died. My dad got diagnosed with AIDS and died, I want to say, within a year. Um, And... That my you know my dad died when he was thirty three years old, um, young guy. Uh, my dad was very big, uh, as far as like size. He was he was like five eleven. Um, he's like five eleven, two hundred pounds, and he was just a really big guy. But he also had a really big personality, very funny. Um, can be very serious. Um, Everybody loved him. My dad was well loved by so many people. He was growing up. It was obnoxious to hear stories about how, um, you know, how much everybody loved him and everybody knew him. And, you know, as a kid, not knowing your dad and people keep telling you about your dad. It's very, very hard, um, very hard growing up hearing stories about somebody. And then I grew up not knowing my dad died of AIDS either. I did not know that. I did not find that out until my teenage years. Uh, I always thought my dad died of leukemia. I don't know where I got that story from. Maybe they told me that or someone told me that. I don't know. But they didn't tell me he died of AIDS. I found that out when I was searching my mom's bedroom for just being nosy, just going through her safe. And I found my dad's death certificate. And um, then I found out my dad died of AIDS. <sighs> I think I was like 15, 16. Um, so anyway, and then I had... Um, a problem with my dad because then I blamed him for drug use and you know before I knew anything about addiction I used to blame him like why did you choose drugs over me you know everybody said you loved me so much but how did you you know how come you didn't love me more than drugs that was my thing uh, I eventually you know went to prison and dealt with that in jail uh, um, so for the last five or six years, I have predicted my own death. I have felt like I was going to go down the same road my dad did, not with drugs, um, 
but just dying early, dying at a young age. And um, my daughter's going to turn six in February. And I, you know, my dad died when I was six. So I've been seeing like this, this writing on the wall, like we're down that road. Um, she's five. She's going to be six. Um, my dad and my mom were separated when, um, my dad and my mom were separated when I was little. Um, I, I think like around the time that he died or maybe before he died and then the sickness brought him back. I got to talk to my mom, um, well about the details, (sighs) but, um, my daughter's turning six in February and I don't think I'm going to make it past next year. Um, damn, I don't want this to get morbid. I want to try to make this funny. I don't know how. Um, I want to laugh at it because I don't want to (sighs) cry. And that's why I had to turn this mic on because I just needed to talk about this. I can't, I can't talk about this stuff easily with other people. Um, so I'm going down that route next year. Um, you know, things haven't been great at home. I don't want to get into it because I have to respect other people's privacy as well. Um, but things haven't been great at home and I just feel like next year is my last year on this planet. I'm not healthy at all. I don't think I'm healthy. Uh, I've been neglecting my health for many years now. Just eating like shit, not working out consistently. And uh, really self-destructive. Really self-destructive as far as my behavior, the things I've been doing. And maybe... Maybe this idea has been playing in the back of my head like a fucking bad record. <sighs> maybe this thought that I, f- I think maybe I've been living my life like this. With the decisions I make, I don't think about tomorrow. I'm very like today. I just think about today. I just think about the time in front of me. I don't think about the future. Because I don't see myself as an old man. I never have. Never have I, um, like, daydreamed about being old. Because I never thought that I'd be that. I never thought that I'd get that old. And it's rough. I've been, um, I keep a little journal that I write to my daughter in. Because... One of the worst things about growing up with your dad dying so early is that I don't have any memories of him. Very, very few. I have like two, maybe three. I'm going to have some pictures and that's about it. I don't know. I don't have my dad's voice. I don't have him recorded. Um, pretty sure there's no camcorder footage of him out there. 
um, nothing. So my dad's distant memory, of, you know, the people that know him or that knew him are very few left, um, you know, just immediate family and stuff like that. But, um, so I've always struggled with that, you know, people who are older, that they were in their teens or, you know, my age now whose parents died or, you know, I see that people's dads are dying, you know, from coronavirus and things like that. And I sympathize with them because it sucks to lose your dad to a disease that no one can stop, you know? At the time, I'm sure, you know, now already at this point in the same year, coronavirus is way better treated than AIDS. Like my dad died in 88 and it wasn't six years later that magic got it and the magic survived. So six fucking years, not even four, four years. So four years from when my dad died to when magic got it. I think it was 92 or 91, something like that. So three or four years, three or four years, you already see like they're rushing a vaccine for it. Oh, for coronavirus. Um, so. So that's what I mean. That's what I woke up with my mind. Uh, it's been on my mind for for. Like I said, a long time, but it just really hit me like recently because I'm like, fuck, man. I was like, that's why I was pretty scared of the coronavirus in the beginning for that exact reason. I'm like, fuck, my daughter's going to lose her dad to a new fucking disease, too. Like, what are the fucking chances um, that these fucking diseases are just going through two generations, right? Crazy. And. heavy, you know, I'm sorry that I made this that heavy and I don't have a way to recover and be cute about it. I'm trying, Um, but it's just hard. It's, it's very, very morbid thing to think about. And then like to actually say it like, Hey, I don't think I'm going to be alive next year. So let's say I'm right. Worst case scenario, I do not survive next year, next November. My dad died in December. Huh, this is some other shit. Just so you know, uh, my dad was born on Valentine's Day. Uh, My dad died on December 12th, 1988. December 12th. My my wife was born December 12th, 1983. Five-year difference. There's a five-year difference between my dad now. And the day that he died. Well, there's a five-year difference between my dad, my age now, and the age of when my dad died and my wife was born. Uh, Yeah, five-year difference. My wife was born in 83. My dad died in 88. That's five years. And I'm 38. My dad died when he was 33. So that's a five-year difference. Oh, that means I would have to die before August of next year for that to still make sense. So, I only have eight months to live. Uh, ten months. Ten months to live. All right. If worst case scenario, I have ten months to live. 
do you think I will act any fucking differently? Right? Like, do you think I'm going to be like, all right, this is the 10 months to live program. I got to do everything I've ever wanted to do. That would be. That would be the smart thing. That would be like the movie thing to do. Like if my life was a movie, this would be the point when I change um, and I start living life like it's my last like day on earth. That's if this was a movie. This is real life. So what I'm going to do is become very self-destructive and just fall into a hole of depression. Just continue to keep falling into this depression hole that I've dug for myself. Um, I feel like I've dug this hole for a while and it's nice and comfortable. I want to get in that depression hole and just start putting the dirt in and just cover myself up. I want to fold. I really, really, really do. I do want to fold up. Um, this is hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Life is hard. But it's not about me. It's about that little kid upstairs and what she deserves. She deserves way more from me than what I'm giving. That is 100%. I'm actually glad I didn't have the fucking camera on today. You see me in this fucking pathetic state. <sighs> Man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm right. If I am going to fucking die next year. Whatever. At least, um... At least I have these recordings that my daughter could listen to and realize what, just hear my voice. Who cares what the fuck I'm talking about? Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to fold up. I don't want to fold everything up. I have to keep fighting because I don't want my daughter to look back in 20 years and I'm gone. And she's like, you didn't even fucking try. You know what I mean? Like that anchor that I had for my father when I thought he didn't love me more than he loved heroin. <sighs> that resentment is something I don't want. My daughter to have for me. So. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do some squats. After this podcast guys. I'm just going to get into it. Just going to start getting that ass to the grass. Do some squats. Um, oh my god. This was fucking terrible. Very very. Very terrible. But I got it out of my system. I said what I had to say. And um, I don't know. 
I maybe I feel better. But um I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, do. It's tough. That's a very heavy fucking statement. It's just weighing on me. And I've just sat here so many fucking times and talked about what I have to do and what I want to do. And I don't do shit. But um, I don't know. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep living as much as I can. Because I, you know, I want to see this comedy thing through. And I want to be there for my kid. I want to be there for her. And all the little things that she does. Ah, that's it, man. Listen, thanks. Uh, If you've listened this far, fucking God bless you. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, check out the shows at tiffscomedy.com, uh, vicisfunny.com. That's it, y'all. Have a great day. <laughs>